Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. What would you pay to see the Wimbledon final? And if you weren't successful in the ballot, how would you even get a ticket? For some, the secondary ticket market has the answer to both of those questions. And in the case of the first one, when I wrote this on the day those tickets went on sale, there was one being offered for the men's final by a trader on Viagogo for £19,000. It was right next to the Royal Box. The face value was £5,000, but the true value of a live event these days is apparently whatever it's worth to you. And that value is pretty subjective. It's really, really hard to place a very specific value on these experiences. And what's really important to me may not be very important to you. My favorite sports team might not be your favorite sports team. You know, there's a lot of other considerations. And so the the price is what someone's willing to pay for it. Chris Miller is Viagogo's global MD. He doesn't give many interviews, but his industry and his company has taken a reputational battering in the last few years. Governments, including the UK's, have pressed hard with regulation, and some want them to go even further. And then there was the pandemic that closed the world down and cost his company £300 million. If you're here hoping to learn lessons about coping with crisis management... Yeah, they're all here. All of a sudden, you know, Ticketmaster decides to roll out a service. And they rolled it out with a with a hockey club. That must have been a fun day. It was frightening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was it was frightening. I'm David Marsden from the Evening Standard. This is a big conversation where we're going to talk about those controversial issues, but also about how a business like Viagogo actually works. And to do that, we may as well start right at the beginning. There was Two gentlemen back in 1999, Jeff Floor, Eric Baker, were finishing up their entrepreneurship program at Stanford University. And one of the responsibilities that they had was to start a, a business plan. You know, they had to come up with a, a business model. Eric, who is our founder, was visiting New York City. He was going to take a date. He wanted to impress the date. <laughs> uh, and he wanted to get uh, tickets to Lion King. Uh, Lion King was the hottest show on, on Broadway at the time. And he didn't know how to get a ticket. One of his friends basically said, well, why don't you try so-and-so ticket broker? They have a shop, you know, down in down yeah. in Times Square. So he said, okay, gives him a call. 
person on the line was very rude, you know, gave him one, one option, <laughs> one location. Yeah, I think you we've, know. in London, we've all been to the, yeah, the, very, <laughs> very, not, not, not one of the more pleasant experiences. Um, hung up the phone, didn't really like that concept. And then, um, checked online, you know, this was early days, the internet, you got eBay was an option. You had Craigslist, which is kind of like Gumtree here, classified ads, but didn't feel secure with that at all. So he needed a sure thing. He wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to be embarrassed you know, by not getting the tickets for his, his date and thought, well, I could go to the venue before the show, but that's pretty risky. You know, I don't know what that's going to be like. Not a great experience either. Went back to the ticket broker and ultimately relented and, and purchased the tickets and sort of thought to himself, geez, there's got to be a better way here. I don't really have a good ability to resell my tickets either. So that was really the you know primer for what became StubHub in the United States. So right. solving a, a need, which is that the ticket resale market has existed since the days of gladiators. You know, this has been, this has gone on, you know, <laughs> yeah, in time immemorial. Totally yeah, probably <laughs> has. So what they quickly realized when they were doing the investigation is that the ticket market was highly, highly fragmented, you know, lots of maybe individual ticket broker companies. There's a lot of people that will sell things outside the venues, you know, maybe you have your network, but it wasn't really done in a way that was um, safe and secure for the fans. So it's about a managed marketplace more than anything else. And it's about ensuring that if and when a fan wants to use the resale market, like on Viagogo, that there is a trusted, reputable, you know, and in case of the United Kingdom, regulated source to be able to do that. Yeah, I wanted so this, the foundation of Viagogo is a love story, really. <laughs> and I want to, I've used Viagogo before, years ago, to buy to buy tickets for the Edinburgh tattoo, which was mm. sold out purely to impress a girl. Yeah. I wonder. <laughs> How much of your business has been based on on guys and girls trying to impress each other? It's a good question. It's uh, it, it's it's used for a lot of cases, and that that's yeah. obviously one of them. But a lot. But what people think about when they think about the secondary ticket market is astronomically mm. high prices. The people being charged huge amounts for gigs. You know, the many many percentages higher than the face value mm. of that. Is that fair to sell a ticket you've bought for 60 pounds for 120. Mm. Again, looking at the service, we we saw that the market existed with or without us. You know, we didn't we didn't create the market. And so the one thing that's really unique about about Viagogo and and our and our brand in the United States StubHub is that um it's really there to enable more of a safe and secure and efficient way to 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 do it. And so I think that the most important thing to understand about the business and, and the, the market really is that the demand is what's driving a lot of this, right? So there's only one Taylor Swift, there's only one Harry Styles, there's only one Champions League final. And that inherently is, is going to um, be in excess of what the supply is, meaning that there's going to be more people that want to go to the Champions League final than there is seats available. And that inherently is going to create a market. And so what's really critical, though, in those cases, given the sensitivity about these tickets, right, this experience is so emotional for people. um, And everyone has this real, you know, kind of tie to their favorite artists or their sporting event. 
is that you have a, 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 a place or places that you can go to feel confident in to transact um, and that there's recourse, you know, in the instance that there's any issues at all. What we do is, is that we, you know, have a number of different preventions and, you know, considerations of to ensure trust and safety on the website. But put simply is that the overwhelming majority are successful, but in those really, really small cases where they're not, we either step in and, and find a replacement for, for the fan on the buy side, um, or in the extremely rare circumstances that we can't, we'll provide a full refund. So that's what we do. Who's saying these prices? How do tickets get to the value that they do? Or, you know, in some cases, they're, they're sold at face value. Who's deciding that? Yeah, it's one would think it's the seller, but it's actually the buyer. The demand is what ultimately creates the pricing. So um, as most, you know, simple economists will understand that there's going to be an imbalance and depending on how much supply there is in the market and how much the, the demander is, when you find a willing buyer and a willing seller, they meet and that value is pretty subjective. It's really, really hard to place a very specific value on these experiences. And I think what most people tend to use us for on on is that their desire of, of going to these events is highly dependent on their own circumstance. So what's really important to me may not be very important to you. My favorite sports team might not be your favorite sports team. You know, there's a lot of other considerations. And so the, the price is what someone's willing to pay for it. Most people get really fixated on the top 2% of all events, you know, the the Taylor Swift that will be going on sale or, you know, the Champions League final where there's this like extreme imbalance between supply and demand, the overwhelming majority are not that case. And so actually, in many cases, you find tons of value on our website that wouldn't have necessarily been there at the primary market. When's the best time to buy a ticket? You know, did you mention Taylor Swift had just announced her dates come back to Europe. Yeah, is now the best time to go via Google and pick up? I don't think they're on sale yet, but when yeah, when, when they go sale. up on yeah. sale, or, or is it five minutes before the concert begins? It's a good question. I I've been doing this for twenty years now, and <laughs> and, and I don't even really know. Um, there's a lot of it's it's not like a financial market, right? It's 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 again you you've got all these considerations to figure out because it's unclear how much supply will make it to the website, right? And in some cases, very limited supply make it. In other cases, there might be a lot of supply that make it. And there's a number of different reasons for that. We always recommend that, that you know, fans come to the site and check often, you know, and, and make sure that they understand the dynamic nature of, of pricing, which can shift all the time and a number of different reasons. You know, if you're going to buy a ticket for a festival and the weather changes, if you're going to, you know, maybe some artist pulls out of a festival, you know, there's there's a lot of different reasons why pricing can change. And it's it's really important that that the fans that use it to buy you know, do their research and ultimately evaluate what's appropriate for them. It's, the, it's at their discretion. Really, our platform is probably one of the only places you can access tickets for certain events, like a Champions League final or the average fan, let's say, like a Champions League. Maybe if you're a, you know, Adidas or something and you can get tickets for free, you know, or you're, you know, in the government. But the point is, is that most people have to go through, you know, the, the quagmire that is to, to purchase a ticket, which is really complicated. And it's got a lot of anxiety and things like that. So we, we, 
we believe that we're providing a lot of inherent value for um, for the purchasers. Um, if they end up using the ticket, great. But now you have a, a platform to resell. Most event organizers, in fact, all of them, from from what I can imagine, is. Um, from what I'm aware of, is that uh, they don't provide any refunds, so there's no ability to give the the ticket back to the to the box office yeah. for whatever reason. Um, and in addition to that, we're very very intent on um, attendance. It's like a big thing for us. We want to make sure that the the venues are full, the atmosphere is really critical. Yeah. Um, you know, all of those types of things. We believe are are value contributors into the into the industry. What made you join? What were you thinking twenty years ago? You going? Yeah, this sounds great. Or, or were you like, well, man, I need a job? What combination of both? Combination of both. So when I went into the origin story. I got to meet both the founders when they were finishing up their degree completely randomly. But my my history has always been, I've been around sports my, my whole life. I was actually an athlete. So I ran track, or you guys call it athletics. I uh, My father was a coach for, for many, many years, became an athletic administrator at a university, which was all about, you know, the f- full sports for the university. Um, ultimately got a job at Nike. And so I've been around live events, you know, on the sporting side for forever. When I moved to um, Oregon, I'm from Portland, Oregon. Moved there when I was a, you know, freshman, and that's right when the whole grunge thing took off, and you know, <laughs> went to Pearl Jam. Were and, you, you wandering know, around in a flannel shirt? I was around <laughs> with ripped jeans and the whole bit, but I was obsessed with going to these gigs. You know, I I yeah. was like very fortunate to see Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Allison Chains and all these great bands. And oh, I, this is a whole other conversation oh, that awesome. we are going to be having. Yeah, right? it, was, it was amazing. Yeah. So I actually used the resale market because, you know, there was a huge uh, demand for the, for those events and bought from people outside the venue and, you know, didn't love the experience. So when I fast forward to when I met them and they explained the service to me, I immediately got it. I, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense to me because I was already a, a kind of a participant, you know, in, in the market. And so... Um, yes, I was looking for a job. <laughs> so that's not, that's not, I mean, I wouldn't say that I did it for completely, you know, altruistic reasons, but, but yes, I ended up joining them. I was one of the first six or seven employees, um, when we started StubHub in, in, in 2000, and I've been doing this for my whole career so far. I haven't done anything else. Okay. To the ads while they're on, hit that follow button on your podcast provider. So you never miss an episode of how to be a CEO back in a sec. 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How quickly did it take off? The amount of times that I was told that it was never going to happen, <laughs> I can't really count. Uh, so just to be clear, I we 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 remained pretty steadfast in our beliefs, and you know it, there was some pretty difficult times, you know, to to get through. And but we knew that what was really important is that we knew what we were doing was better than the alternative. It was a very very big market, in spite of what we did. You know, we. Hard to estimate, but we we estimated that the market was in the range of you know at that time maybe eight billion or something, and so we felt confident if we could figure out you know the ways to communicate it that we would ultimately get there. But it was challenging. We did primarily partnership work. You know, I, yeah. I would say that a lot of it had to do with our relationships with with here was football clubs and a couple of the rugby premiership clubs and in the United States it was mainly sports teams so it had a had a sports foundation but we did other things you know we on the music side we did charity auctions that we operated really early days with people like Britney Spears and um yeah. you know and and others and and all of that kind of you know feeds into once you get a little bit more of a momentum in the marketplace you get into a, a bit of a flywheel you know and then you're applying marketing and we were doing you know really early days at StubHub we were one of the first um people to actually use Google AdWords um, literally we were one of the first wow. people yeah that obviously is a is a really important channel but there's others you know there's there's radio and there's um you know in the United States we have you know sports radio is very very big here in the UK we did more pop radio things like that so um but you got to stay at it you know we just got to stay at it there's a lot of hustle Went into this. Isn't a, lot there? Of a lot of hustle. Yeah, I mean, still a hustle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what were the hours like? Right, you know, thinking right back to the beginning. Pretty insane. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty insane. I mean, I I will uh, I'll never forget. What there was there was one year in 2002. I think it was 2002, 2003, and you know we're 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 doing everything we can to validate the service. We're speaking to concert promoters and it was clear channel back then and we're speaking to AEG which is the second biggest concert promoter out there and we're speaking to sports teams you know and they're all pushing back and not you know really completely bought in and 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 then all of a sudden um you know Ticketmaster decides and in the United States Ticketmaster is like the dominant you know um primary and and they decide to roll out a service um, that was competitive with with StubHub, and they rolled it out with a with a hockey club. That must have been a fun day. It was frightening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was frightening. And I remember all of us sort of sitting there and talking about it. And 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 you know, Eric, you know, bless him, our our founder was very much like this is a positive because it's it affirms the service. You know, it sort of reinforces the fact that what we were saying was right. And 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 he was right. And. We just kept at it, and and we found more and more opportunities, and reinvested in the technology and the product and the customer service is a really big deal to us, and making sure that trust and safety was it was is is critical for our business, and so um, lucky for us that it, it uh, it's paid off so far. But was there a point when you went, this 
is a stable company. We are going to succeed. Yeah. Here in the UK with, with, with VEGOGO, I think it was, it probably took us about five years or so to get to that place where you felt like, okay, we're making, we're making the, the sort of commitment now that we're going to see this, you know, through the long haul, you know, you always hope that you have this like long-term business. It's going to be around for forever and you can continue to reinvest in. And that was, I think roughly around the time where, you know, we felt, okay, this is working, you know, and, and, but that came with a lot of, of, of effort, you know, and a lot of, (laughs) and a lot of, uh, and a lot of sleepless nights, as you said, but it, it, it's, um, for a marketplace and, and, you know, running a marketplace for the listeners that, that do have marketplaces, flywheel elements of that are really, really critical, you know, making sure that everything is working, you know, the, the, the more liquidity that you have, the more buyers you have, the more sellers that come and, and, you know, making sure that you're reinvesting in the product and the service and the, and the customer service so that the buyers and fans continue to feel very comfortable with everything and trust plays a huge role in it. And it hopefully kind of feeds on itself. And that that's where we saw it in, in the United States, it was roughly about the same time. Yeah, and then I, I guess things just kind of take on their own momentum and yeah. they get bigger and bigger. And then people start like really looking at what's going yeah. on, what's happening with this market. Suddenly the, there are governments looking mm. at you wanting to impose regulation. Yeah. I mean, were you guys ready for that? <laughs> well, it must have been. I just want to sell tickets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think um, it's, it's, it's a good question. I, and, and one that um, I think we, we've learned a lot about how you run a business, particularly in the United Kingdom and Europe versus the United States. We we've certainly look at things differently, which I think is really valuable so that we know how to run the service more effectively for everybody that use it. And so, you know, in any in any industry, when you see it, whether it's transportation or, you know, or travel or any of these other industries, when there you have this disruptor, you know, that comes in and starts to encroach on how things are done, you know, and and we have antagonists, you know, and people that that didn't want to see us do well. And, and you know, that adds to the to the kind of retrospective of like, what is it going on with this business? How does it work? And all those types of things. And so, um, you know, would, were we ready for it? Not really, but we have to work through it. Were you ready for when the world shut down? During COVID, with <laughs> well, the 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 great story about that is is that we got this opportunity in in 2019. We actually so in 2007, StubHub was acquired by eBay. So myself and our founder Eric had left StubHub in 2005 to come and start Viagogo. So we basically said, well, geez, this is kind of well on its way. This business model is probably going to get copied why don't we do it ourselves? And so we came over to the UK. I did some investigation about, you know, what the market looks like and saw relatively the same thing, which is the way that the, you know, that the market operates and, and ultimately built the business, but stayed out of the United States. So we focused on growing Viagogo just in the UK, Western Europe, eventually Eastern Europe and Asia and South America. And we kind of just did everything we, we could to bring our, our sort of belief about the, the, the value of this service outside for event goers all over the world. Um, but fast forward, so eBay took the business on its um, on StubHub, did a great job with it, grew it a ton, um, and then ultimately decided to sell it in 2019. So 
they contacted us and you know because we have all the heritage and the roots with yeah. that with that business felt like wow this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity 2019 um, yeah so <laughs> you know let's go and we'll we'll raise some money yeah. we'll get some equity and some debt together and and you know and, and and eric you know took the lead there and and we ultimately won the auction you know which is which is fantastic and so we're this is like on. the ultimate ebay auction yeah exactly <laughs> trust me ebay did pretty well um and so we uh so we we you know very very happy that you know the was being able to bring the two businesses back together so now we have this global marketplace but um, you know, you're kind of watching the world and seeing what's happening and, and, and sort of notice, because we saw it really quickly. We saw events actually getting canceled probably at the start of 2020 in, in, in Asia. And you're sort of hoping, fingers crossed, that it's contained. And, you know, and we closed the deal. And in March of 2020, everything shuts down. And so we didn't time it particularly well, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> but but in fact, they were like, we timed that. Really yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Feeling they're probably all packing themselves in the back. Yeah. However, what I will say is that um, through that, uh, you know, you just you learn a lot about your resolve. And and so it went it went from you know doing what it was doing to zero. You know, in a matter of a couple of days. And and we were responsible now for this new business. And, and so, yeah, it was, it was nerve wracking. And, and in addition to that, we actually had to go through the competition review here in the United Kingdom. Um, so we had to do that while we were going through, um, COVID. So it was like a double kind of whammy as it were of, of difficulty that we had to maneuver through. So no, we were, we were not prepared for it. Um, but going back to the point of the whole services, which is really the trust, you know, and the guarantee that we provide, we had to dig into our pockets pretty deeply and ensure that all the people that bought tickets for events that were canceled were going to get refunded. Um, That's and a lot of money, though. Lots of money, 300 million pounds that we had to, yeah, yeah. It was, but it we tr- we had to focus on what happens afterwards, you know, and so if the service doesn't have trust, if the fans don't trust that they can use it, it's that someone's going to come through, then you don't have, our business doesn't work. And so the reality was, is that that was a priority as complicated as it was to manage the cash and get through. It was a priority of ours. Um, we knew that that would ultimately separate us out from the rest right and lots of companies went under and really it was catastrophic um but when you fast forward to the other side of it we were the only ones that did it you know for for the most part especially in our market so if you bought a ticket through a social media channel or maybe you bought off gumtree or, or whatever it was n- no recourse like you're, you're out of luck um so that was complicated and stressful but but it was really important for us yeah so did it bounce back really quickly or, or did it take its time were people reluctant to get it? yeah it, w- it took a little while you yeah. know, we sort of thought that and hoped really that there was going to be this like great reopening and that wasn't really the case it was like bits and pieces and i think most people will remember you know we we had limited attendance you know for certain events where people were separated and you know they they you know played games without fans for a while and things like that um so it was a slow rebuild but 2020 and 2022 of 2023 has been full full steam ahead and what 
markets are doing the best right now is it the pop things is it the festivals is it the sports yeah. well what's what's kind of succeeding well for us actually everything's up which is which is uh -huh. great but music's really popular in in europe um in the united kingdom uh really popular you know the other things that have popped up a lot recently is um f1 has been really i think that what they've done with netflix is is really created a lot of popularity yeah. um and we see a lot of um tourism we see a lot of people using our service to travel to events. Um, so um, oddly enough, even for the Ashes, which has been one of our best Ashes we've ever done, um, the highest international buyer has been Americans, which is you know quite unique. That and, surprises yeah, me. I don't, su you know, surprise me too. Cricket doing well in the home of baseball. I, What's I, going on I, here? I know, I know. <laughs> but it, I think it just sort of proves a point that we're also introducing the service to people that may casually have un thought about these events. And now all of a sudden you get the opportunity to do it and people are taking the chance to do that and taking the opportunity. So where do you go next? What's the next phase for you guys? What's happening? Everything, you know, when you think about innovation and, you know, you think about all the, all the first that we did. So we were the, we were the first ones to put a guarantee in place against, um, you know, the resale market and ensuring the, the security as it, as it were, we were the first ones to, you know, to make sure that, um, you know, we, we had, uh, the ability for fans to see the views of their seat and the 360 kind of view and of which is more of that is coming for, to be able to give more clarity for where you seat. we had the first app for instance. And so, there's a lot of things I think that um, you know that we're investing in and things that we'd like to innovate on uh, that the team is uh, constantly coming up with, and we're hopeful that you know soon enough that there'll be more opportunities to make these types of announcements. Um, the other thing I'd say is that we feel very very strongly that event organizers um, you know should continue to um, explore using our service. You know, it's not just about resale when you think about marketplaces and you think about how Amazon's evolved. Um, we have in the United States in particular, lots of event organizers that use the service to directly list their primary tickets on our website because we invest in a lot in marketing and we have a lot of fans that just like to use our service and maybe not go through the, you know, the sort of quagmire of the primary market. And so um, we think that's another big area of growth. In the last 20 years, when was the last time you got eight hours sleep, Chris? <laughs> Uh, before I had kids, <laughs> I would say, and I've had kids for 17 years now, and I have three of them, so that was probably the last time. Yeah, between work and kids, it's it's a little tricky. That was Chris Miller of Viagogo. For more interviews, news, and analysis, check out the Evening Standards business pages, either in the newspaper or online at standard.co.uk. How to Be a CEO is back on Monday morning. Start your week with us. I'll see you then.